0: Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit church. Good morning. Boy, Hope Kids is rocking out next door. I love it. I love it. What a great way to kind of come in and toward the Easter season to lift up the truth of Jesus is our living hope, amen? I'm so thankful that none of us has to fear death, none of us has to fear standing before God one day. If you believe in Jesus and the work he accomplished on the cross and in that fulfillment, the sealing of the promise in the resurrection, we have the hope of heaven. We have the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus right now. And so I'm really, really excited we got to sing that together uh, and lift that up together this morning. Today we are beginning a brand new teaching series. It's just going to be a couple of weeks long, but it's entitled, For God So Loved the Burrow. And that's obviously pulled from one of the most famous scripture passages in in the whole world, one of the most well-known scripture passages, John 3.16, that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him, they would not perish but have eternal life. And the idea of for God so loved the borough is for us to take it out of that big, wide, general term of God so loved the world. And to remember that you and I have been planted in this city to represent Jesus. Amen? And we need to have in our minds and in our hearts locked in that God not only loved the world, but that includes Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, MTSU, and we want to have the privilege of partnering with Jesus for connecting Murfreesboro and MTSU with the hope of Jesus. And for a couple of weeks, I want us to really zero in on the opportunities that are in front of us as Easter rolls around. And some of what I'm going to talk about this morning out of some scripture passages is going to be related to your life and to my life and who we are with Jesus. And then also some of what I'm going to talk about this morning is how we are a young church. We turned eight months old yesterday. Happy birthday. We turned eight months old. Yeah, there you go. We turned eight months old yesterday, and we are still figuring out what it is to represent Jesus and how to build a community together and how to to come together and, and to include as many people as we can and open our arms up to all people with all backgrounds and all kinds of stories and to bring them in. And we're also still trying to figure out how we do church together as a people. This is our very first Easter together. So how does People of Hope do Easter? We're about to find out in a few weeks but the Easter season brings with it some opportunities and as a shepherd as sort of uh, the lead elder of our new community I want to challenge us and to lead us to think about how God loves the borough and he wants you and me to be really involved in that as well God so loved the borough that he gave his only son for it for the people who live here who grew up here all their lives for the people who've moved in because a job came here for the people who just moved to the area to be with some relatives, for the people who came to school at MTSU and then stuck, and they're still here, and Murfreesboro grabbed them, and they're still loving life and raising a family here. For God so loved the borough that he gave his only son. For God so loved the borough that he planted one of his churches in this city to be an outpost of hope. God loved this city so much that he had on his mind to put an outpost of hope called people of hope. And we're not a place, we're a people. And we're inviting more people in. And this logo, what do you think of these things, by the way? It's amazing. Wayne Mertz, who's part of our production team, he and his uh, beautiful design and idea and incredible stuff. And if you're listening by audio this morning, just trust us. It's really cool looking. But you see this logo that we have, it's in a repeating form here on these boxes, but this logo is, is kind of a modern take on a piece of stained glass, And it's the idea that stained glass is a bunch of broken pieces put together to make something beautiful. And our hope, our hope is that God is making something beautiful out of the broken pieces of our lives. God so loved the borough, He put this church in the borough to be. An invitation for people to say, no matter what your past, no matter what your background, no matter what your struggles, none of us in here have everything together. None of us in here have everything figured out. So if you're still a work in progress, come on, welcome to the right place. That's who we are as well. We're all following Jesus. We're all trying to lean in to discover all the joy that he has for us and to live how to please him. But God so loved the borough, he put a church here. And then Don't forget that God so loved the borough, he put you in this church to be a part of his mission. So this title of this series, To God So Loved the World, is just really zoomed in with a laser focus this morning that God so loved the borough that he gave a son, that he gave a church, that he gave you. And you and I are all parts of that. And I would love for you to have some vision stirred up in your heart that somewhere along the way, in these next days and weeks and months, you would have the privilege of being a part of someone's story of meeting Jesus. You would have the privilege of saying, God so loved the borough that he put me in this place, in this time, to have this encounter, to have this meeting, to have these relationships with these people, and that ultimately led to someone finding hope in Christ. God didn't just love the world. He loved this city, and he put our church, and he put each of us here. The Easter season brings a lot of great opportunities here. People are actually open to being in church on Easter Sunday. Don't forget that. People are really open. If there are those twice a year people, you know what I'm talking about? I'm there on Christmas and I'm there on Easter. This is a great time to reach out to some people and say, hey, do you have a place to spend Easter Sunday? Hey, what are your plans for Easter Sunday? Hey, you should come hang with us for Easter Sunday. It's going to be a wonderful morning. Come spend Sunday morning with us. Easter has that kind of an opportunity. It also is an opportunity for us to grow as a church. Easter is one of those places where we're not just interested in drawing a crowd for the day. We're not just going to be going, wow, look how many people we had on Easter Sunday. Our goal is people who come and then return. We want to find people who stick. We want to find people who come in the door. And they may have a story that says, I was burnt by a church I swore I would never go back to a church again, but for some reason I said yes to this person who invited me, and I'm here. And they're sitting in those chairs, and they may have this thought, "I, I think I could come back here. I'm, I'm, this, this actually feels okay." That's our prayer, and that's our goal, and that would help our church to grow. And we want to keep growing. We don't ever want to settle, amen. We don't want to coast. We don't want to think, well, hey, the doors are open, the lights are on, the music's pretty cool, we got some teaching, we got some good stuff happening. We, we don't want to coast. We want to continue to be engaged in the mission. And I'll remind you, in this Easter opportunity, when there's an opportunity to grow our church... The more people we grow into our church, the more hope builders we have to serve in the various areas of our church and add to our rotations and give other people a break uh, to get to be a part of us. I want to remind you that every Sunday there are a few people who don't come to the worship gathering because they're right now serving kids or working in the parking lot or serving on the security team. And we want to add more people so we can give some people relief along the way. So how in the world do modern churches in the Bible Belt grow? How does that usually happen? I want to give you four things this morning. You probably don't necessarily need to write these down, but I want these deep into your heart and mind this morning to remember a few things. We are in the Bible Belt. And if you're not familiar with that term, what that term means is um, this is usually in the south. This is usually in a place where there's like a church every 75 feet. It's usually a place where you can go to, there's an intersection in a corner and there may be seven churches within 15 feet of each other. It's usually in a place where it's part of the culture. We grew up going to church. We grew up going and mom said the car's going there, get your rear end in the car, we're going to church this morning. And they did the Sunday school and the vacation Bible school and the mission trip and the camp and the church and people understand so that it's kind of in the air. The negative part to being in the Bible Belt is, is that there is a gospel assumption and the assumption is well i've kind of been around church and church people and church life and i've kind of been at some events and and i kind of know a lot of people who do church and that kind of stuff so me and god are good or well we're in the bible belt i go to church and my neighbor goes to church and the people i work with go to church so i'm sure they go to church by the way church isn't the main question i know jesus my neighbor knows Jesus. The people I work with know Jesus. I'm sure they know Jesus. The Bible Belt can have some negative things, some negative issues of assuming that people know Jesus. And let, let us all remember this morning that church attendance does not equal salvation. Amen. It's do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Not did your parents have a relationship with Jesus? Not do your best friends have a relationship with Jesus? But have you personally crossed the line of faith and said, yes, I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you had your sins forgiven? Have you become his disciple? That's the distinction of someone who is saved. Not just being in a church culture, in a church area. But so we're in the Bible Belt, Middle Tennessee. Smack dab in the middle of it, churches everywhere, and that's a good thing. We need lots of churches because there are lots of different people who kind of understand things and different vibes and preferences, and that's great. We need lots of churches announcing the gospel of Christ. But How do those churches grow? Let me give you these four things real quickly. Number one, modern churches in the Bible Belt grow by new Christian families moving into the area and seeking out a new church home, new Families come to the area, they're Christians, we just moved here from Indianapolis, or we moved here from Atlanta, or we moved here from Dallas, and we're Christians and we're looking for a new church. That's one way, but that's a very small percentage of how churches grow. A second way that churches grow is by disgruntled church attenders leave an area church, and they go seek out greener pastures at another church in town. And that, unfortunately, is one of the bigger ways that people grow. It's more than the folks who just move into the town. And, and we love if other people come and, and get involved here, if they were at other churches. That's a great thing. But what you don't want is the troublemaker down the road coming to be a troublemaker in the new church. And you don't want people who are unhappy there coming to be unhappy here. But that's part of how growth happens. That's part of what goes on in the way churches grow in this area. There's a third way. People in crisis who turn to the church out of desperation or out of some reclaiming a childhood memory. They, their, their marriage is crumbling. Or they've got a real crisis with their child. Situation going on in their life. Tragedy is struck, and they, out of desperation, turn to God. Those, all three of those areas, moving in the town, disgruntled people, shifting churches, or people in crisis, those are the smallest ways that churches grow. The number one way that churches grow is by personal invitations. That is the key. That's the story. It's one believer inviting someone else to come and see what they've heard. Come and meet the man who's changed their life. Come and see the grace and the hope that's available here. Personal invitations are going to be the way that our church grows. So let's put those things together. Easter season's a major opportunity for growth of our church people are open to being in church on Easter Sunday, and that's one of the ways, the main way that churches grow. So I want to call us and challenge us to be really engaged in inviting people to Easter Sunday and beyond to be involved in the life of our church. There's a little bit of a challenge for many of us because we've A lot of us have been faithfully inviting, and I'm so proud of you, people of hope, for the way that you've invited people along the way. You've been so good at this, and a lot of you have already blown through all of your relationships of invites, right? (laughs) You're kind of going, uh, I think I've invited everybody I know, (laughs) and that's wonderful. And I want to see if the word today would stir us to be open, that God could use us to make new relationships with people that we may not already have friendships with, And invite them and bring them in to meet Jesus. Open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This is an encounter that Jesus has and it's one that's familiar to a lot of people. John chapter 4. This is familiar uh, as a story called the woman at the well. And Jesus is going to have this major encounter with her and it's going to teach us some things about who he is. And what it is that you and I can be involved in for engaging people. Let's jump in together in verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, referring to John the Baptist. And this was in fact not that Jesus was baptizing, but his disciples were. So he, Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria And so he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came in to draw water, and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, Well, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well than drink out of it himself as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, probably pointing to the well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't have to get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, why don't you go and call your husband and come back? I believe there was probably a profound pause here at this moment. And she says to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have no husband and the man, you've had five husbands. And the man you have now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Go, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And in this moment, Jesus locks eyes with her and says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I'm here. Just then, the disciples returned. And we'll pick up the story in a few minutes. I want to pick out a few things out of this long passage together I want to give you three things today for you to notice, to think about in this passage. Uh, The number one is this. Jesus just started a conversation with somebody he didn't know. Jesus just started a conversation with somebody he didn't know. And as you and I are thinking about being a part of the mission of Christ in our city that God loves so much, one of the ways that we're going to do this is just by starting a conversation with people we don't know. We must slow down a little bit. We must open our eyes a little bit. We must be sensitive for where the Holy Spirit might want to lead us to just start a conversation. And notice Jesus didn't start out with doctrine. He didn't start out with deep questions. He just asked, hey, will you give me a drink? He was just going about his day and started a conversation with the woman. When he did this, this closed any gap that there might have been in her mind about him. Man, he's a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How, how can he ask me for a drink? But he's engaging. He's initiating. Do you know that there are people you're around at restaurants you go to and they know you're a Christian but they don't think they could ever talk to you because of their life? They don't think they deserve to talk to you that you would ever want to talk to them because they assume that you're really holy and they're really fixated on the fact that they're not. And what needs to happen it's for you to close the gap in what might be in their mind about you and just open a conversation. Maybe it's on the ball team that your kid plays on. Maybe it's at the restaurant you go to or the place where you get your coffee all the time. Or maybe it's at your workplace. Maybe it's students at your team or on your, uh, at your school. Maybe it's all these places where we just need to start a conversation. We just need to engage people and say, I see you and say, I care about you. I'm interested in you. And I'm just going to acknowledge you. There are boatloads of people in our city wandering around feeling like nobody even sees them or knows that they're there. And one of the ways that you can be powerfully proactive is to just start a conversation with somebody you don't know. We're busy, aren't we? (laughs) We're on our way from here to somewhere else. we got a lot of things to do, a lot of things to accomplish. But let's make sure that we're not so busy that we don't have time to be spiritually sensitive, to just ask a simple conversation. Hey, how's your day going? Hey, did you grow up here? What's your favorite thing on the menu at this restaurant? Just open some conversations. You never know where they will go. That's what Jesus did. It closed the gap of what she might have been thinking about him wow i can actually have a conversation with this guy but there's something else it probably closed the gap in her own fear about her own life scholars make a lot out of the fact that the woman was coming to draw water at noon that's not the typical time you draw water for your daily needs Usually it's early in the morning when the sun's not high and it's not hot and you can come and get together with all the girls and talk and giggle and laugh and gossip and all the things with the ladies of the, of the town and you can be together. But for some reason, she wasn't a part of that. And, and it may have been that they didn't want her there in, in the sense of cruelty, but it also could have been that she just assumed she wasn't welcome there. Friends, in this Easter season, let's be sensitive to people who think they wouldn't be welcomed at People of Hope. And let's just start a conversation and see where the Holy Spirit leads it so that we could close the gap. They're thinking, I don't deserve, I'm not worthy, I'm not, I, I po- couldn't possibly go to church. Let's close that gap and show them a first step of grace just by starting the conversation Many people have convinced themselves they would never be welcome in a church. And we want to change that, amen? We want to show them grace. We want to be interested in their story. And Jesus did it by just starting a conversation. Number two, Jesus didn't scold her past or present choices. Jesus didn't scold her past or present choices. At one point, Jesus says, go and call your husband, and she says, I don't have a husband, and he said, you know, that's right, you've had five of them, and the guy you're with now, you're shacking up with, is not your own and Jesus was, was saying to her, I see who you are. I see what your life is all about. I know you have a past. I know you have a track record. I know you sort of have a, a trail of wreckage of failed relationships. And the guy you're shacking up with now is not your own. There's, an, there's some immorality going there. But Jesus did not scold her on the past or her present choices. As you engage people in your world, people of hope, make sure that you are clear on this. People in sin aren't sinning against you. And it's not your responsibility to correct their choices. It is your responsibility to be light, to be a messenger of grace, to be a dispenser of hope. For someone to say, you got a past, we all have a past. Amen? All of us have a past. And I love that Jesus in this moment did not scold her for that. If anything, Jesus was pointing out to her some emptiness that was there and the fact that she had this trail of relationships that hadn't filled her up. And Jesus was was calling attention to all of that. But he didn't lead with it and he never accused with it. He was trying to communicate, I see who you are. and I sense what it must be to be you five failed relationships and even though you have stolen moments with a man who's not your own and you think those are going to satisfy your soul you have those moments when you're staring at the ceiling laying in the bed and you're thinking oh my gosh I'm a horrible person I'm shacked up with somebody who's not my husband and in those moments you begin to tell yourself I'm a failure, I'm dirty, I'm a terrible person. And God has put people of Hope Church in this town to say to people, you're sinful, so are we, but we have hope. And we want to rewrite your story through Jesus. Jesus where you can say, I was these things. But then I met Jesus, and through him I became forgiven, fully forgiven. I became clean, fully clean. I became adopted as his child. I became set free from the grip of sin. I became new in Christ. We must be messengers of grace. people wandering all over our town saying, I'm a terrible person. I'm not worthy. I am awful. I have ruined my life. And we want to come to them with love. Does that sound good to anybody? To go and collect those who are broken. To go and collect those who feel like they've ruined their lives. And we have a chance to say, the story's not over in Jesus. The story's not over. And we're not better than you. Amen? This is our opportunity to not scold people for their past or present choices. Jesus knew that beneath her choices, she was empty. And she didn't need to behave better, she needed to believe and be changed. See, the people that you engage and you see out in the world, and they're just sinning hard. I mean, they're just going for it in sin. It's not our responsibility to correct them. It's our responsibility to to love them and point them to Jesus because their biggest need isn't to stop doing the sinful behavior. Their biggest need is to believe in Jesus and to be changed from the inside out. Let's let Jesus deal with their behavior once they become his disciple. And our job is to say, your life broken, my life is broken, (laughs) and then I met Jesus, and I found out that he loves me for who I am. And I found out that he paid for all of my poor choices on the cross. He paid it in full. It's paid in full, isn't it? That's good news, that's the gospel. And we don't have to be afraid to come to Jesus because of our track record. We just have to come to him and say, change my life from the inside out and forgive me. And we get to carry that grace into our city. Number three, the last thing not only Jesus started a conversation, Jesus didn't scold her past or present choices. Here's the third thing I want you to see out of this text let's lead people from invite to invite. Let's lead people from invite to invite. Here's what I mean by this. As a leader for People of Hope Church, my heart isn't that we would get excited about crowds and attendance numbers. There's no life in that, amen? That just puts the focus on us. That just sort of makes it about an event. We're not in the business of trying to hold events. We're in the business of trying to rescue and restore people to life and grace in Jesus. We want to see their lives changed. And so if you see in the story, let's pick up in the next part of the passage here in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who has told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And all in that line, in the subtext there, is this excitement in her. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Let's go to the next part. And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of this, his words, many more became believers. I think there's one more. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of God the world. So don't miss what happened in this woman's heart. She came to a place where she dropped her water jar and ran back to the the town of Sikar and she said, come and see this man. Come and meet Jesus. That's what we want to be involved in, from invite to invite. And some of you in this room are going to have the privilege of inviting somebody to Easter Sunday services and they're going to meet Jesus. And somewhere in the months down the road, they're going to start inviting their people to come and meet Jesus. How good is that? So our vision isn't just a crowd on Easter Sunday. It's not just about attendance. It is about seeing people be invited and then start inviting We want to make disciples, amen? And we want to see people radically changed and full of radical joy that leads to bold, beautiful, loving invites where their heart begins to ache for the burrow. And they meet broken people. And they say, come and meet Jesus. You got a story, I got a story. You got a past, I have a past. Let me tell you mine. And in 2019, somebody invited me to an Easter gathering, and I heard the preacher talk about grace and forgiveness in Jesus because of what Jesus did for me. And I want to tell you about it too. From invite to invite. Let that vision rise up in your soul that you could invite someone this Easter and they're bringing their own friends and neighbors and coworkers next Easter. We wanna have growth in our church because we remain white hot with the good news of the gospel. Let me close with four challenges for for our church in this Easter season. Number one is that we would pray. We need to pray. We need to be faithful to pray, not just for our Easter season, but for individual people that we want to invite and to see them meet Jesus. Because here's what's critical. You and I have nothing to offer them. Amen? If any life change is going to happen, it's not because of the music or the teaching or the programs of People of Hope Church. The only one who has the power to change of life is Jesus. Jesus Christ. And we need to pray. We need to pray to communicate our dependence on him. We need to pray and call out and cry out and ask and plead with God. God, rescue them. Bring them to their senses. God, redeem them. Restore them. God, bring them and help them to see Jesus. We need to be faithful to pray. In the same way that we're not just saying, God so loved the world, but we're getting specific, God so loved the borough. We're not just praying in general. Lord, we're praying for the people of our city. You know, we want to pray for people by name. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to do a lasting work. Second challenge for you, not only is to pray specifically, but that you would share your testimony this week or next that you would find an opportunity to share your testimony. And be reminded today, this woman shared her testimony, but she was talking about who Jesus is to her. She wasn't giving the historic dates of her faith journey. Your testimony is not a story of the historic dates of when you became a Christian. Your testimony is, is, is who Jesus is to you. And it could be the fact that Jesus got you through last Thursday and you tell that story. It could be the fact that you were almost running on empty and you saw something in the Bible and it just absolutely filled you up. Tell your story of who Jesus is. I'm challenging you that. When was the last time you told somebody the story of who Jesus is to you? When was the last time that you had a chance to say, let me tell you about the one who changed my life? Look for those moments this week. Step out in boldness in those moments this week. And trust the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting. So pray specifically. Share your testimony. And number three, here's my challenge to you as a church, that you would bring at least one person with you on Easter Sunday. That's the challenge I'm putting in front of us, is that, that each of us would bring with us at least one new person to church on Easter Sunday. And you may be thinking, man, if all of us are there that day and all of us bring a person, we won't have room. Wouldn't that be a beautiful problem to solve? I'm up for that. Anybody else? I want to tell that story. Is there a name or a face that God's bringing to your mind right now that you could invite Is there a name or a face that God's bringing to your mind of somebody that you see at a restaurant or at a store you frequent all the time and you may know their first name? Or you may not know their first name yet. Somebody you see at the mailbox, somebody you see pulling up trash cans in your neighborhood, the family who just moved in to your neighborhood, somebody at your school or work. Hey, where are you spending Easter Sunday? Hey, we'd love for you to come spend Easter Sunday with our, our new church Come hang out with us on Easter Sunday. The challenge is that we would all take a part in this because God so loved the borough, he put a church here and he put you in this church to be light in the dark corners of our city, to collect and restore the broken. This last challenge for you is that you would simply love the borough that you would love the people you get around. Serve them, even if they haven't served you. Show them kindness, even if they haven't shown you kindness. Give them attention. Show them that you see them. Ask about their life. Ask about their story. Ask about their family. Engage them. A friend of mine, that um, I just met this guy about two months ago, and we've been hanging out a little bit, and um, he's retired right now, and he makes a little extra money by uh, doing Uber shifts every once in a while. And he says, it's really interesting. I meet all kinds of people. And he was driving uh, Uber in Murfreesboro a few weeks ago, and got a call, and he went to a hotel, and he picked up this couple, and they were, he was taking them to a restaurant uh, from the hotel here in Murfreesboro, and just began to talk about it. He said, he, he said you guys, you know, look really good together. He was talking, in, talking to him in the rearview mirror, you know, how long have you guys been together? And the couple kind of looked at each other, and he's just kind of driving along, just kind of quiet, and the, the woman spoke up and said, well, we're actually not together, but at least not married to each other. Through a couple of minutes, they're driving, driving around, and the story comes out that they're having an affair, and he's helping them drive to a restaurant when they've been meeting up with each other, and they're not married to each other. And he begins to say, (laughs) just very casually, "How's that going?" (laughs) And they were really quiet. And the woman got a little emotional, and she said, it's not going very well. I'm really disappointed in myself. They came to a spot, and he put the car in park, and they had just a couple of minutes. Just a couple, not 20 minutes, not even 10 minutes, just a couple of minutes. And it got to the point where she was like, I'm not even sure God would want to have anything to do with me. And my friend was able to tell his story And to say to her, you're absolutely welcome. Both of you are absolutely welcome with Jesus. There are people that you pass every day, and you and I don't know their stories, but their marriages and families are crumbling. Their dreams haven't panned out, and they are so angry and bitter. They are addicted to things, and they don't know a way out. Some of them that you're gonna pass by this afternoon and tomorrow and all week long are deep in debt and it keeps them up at night. Some of those people are so desperately lonely that they actually go to a restaurant to interact with a server to have some human conversation. There are people in our city who are still recovering from wounds that happened to them when they were nine years old. There are people in our city who are absolutely on the edge of suicide. There are people in our city who are just struggling in ways that you may not think about because while you got struggles, you also have Jesus. Love the people you meet this week by taking time to find out their story and you may find out that there is a Jesus-shaped hole in their heart. It may be an invite to church. It may be this moment where you just stop and pray with them and love them and serve them. Who knows where the Holy Spirit's going to take that? But love the people you get around this week and try to imagine what it must be like to go through this broken planet without Christ, without hope. This morning, I want us to conclude our, our time together by praying specifically I'm going to ask our uh, hospitality team to pass out these prayer cards. They're going to come down the rows to you, and I'd invite you to take a couple of them. And each one of these, you're going to write the first name of one of the people who came to mind for you. One of those people who came to mind for, for somebody that you may want to reach out to and invite them to come to Easter gatherings here at People of Hope. You've got this card that's going to come to you in just a second, and it says, please pray for, and just write their first name, because we're actually going to share these cards around in a few minutes. Don't write their full name, just their first name. But say, I know them from, and you could choose one of the boxes. It says work, school, family, my neighborhood, or a store or a restaurant that I frequent. And then you could check, you plan to invite them to POH for Easter Sunday. And then you can write your full name. But everybody take, take some of these cards and there's a pen at your seat, get your pen out and I want you to write down the first name of somebody you're going to be praying for that they would meet Jesus. And that may be an invitation to, to Easter Sunday, but let's pray specifically for people in our city. Who are the people who take care of you and do your nails and cut your lawn and people you see when you're getting your oil changed and the people you see... At the restaurant and at your coffee shop, and at your gym and school and team. If you need more cards, raise your hands. We'll get more cards to you. I, I would lo- I've got, and I want to tell you, we've got somebody on the front row who needs more cards. And students, I want you, you guys in on this as well. And, and just to let you know, I, I'm with you on this, friends. I have two cards. I have two cards. And one of them is uh, for a person named Brian, who just moved into my neighborhood. And I've just had about a 10-minute conversation with Brian, but I am praying specifically for Brian to meet Jesus, and I'm going to be inviting him to POH on Easter Sunday. I'm with you in this. And then there's another card I have, and it's a a guy whose name I'm not going to call out loud, but he's at a place that I frequent three or four times a week, and we're on a first-name basis with each other, but we've never talked about spiritual things. And I'm pretty sure he would think he would never be welcome at church. And I want to be a part of his story of hope. So I'm leading us today to be specific about this. First names that you're praying for. Write them down. First names that you're praying for. Where you know them from. Anybody else need another card? I have two. Anybody else want more? Let's, let's get these, because what's going to happen is, is today we're going to pray over these, and then when you come in next Sunday, they're going to be lining the top of these cubbies over here along the wall, and, and as you come in, and maybe even during our worship time next Sunday, we're going to have a time where we just go and pray specifically and call out to God for these people's names, that they would know they are loved, and that they could find hope in Jesus. Anybody else need another card? You guys good? You covered? we need another card up here in the front as well here in the corner you can find some more of these a little bit but the point of this is is that you and I would take it from general to specific I'm praying for these people by name I'm asking God to lead them to salvation some of them you may find out that they already know Jesus but we can't ever assume here in the Bible Belt can we So we want to be proactive. We want to be on mission. We want to be carriers of hope. So here's what I want you to do. I I want you to take your cards and at least two people away from you trade cards. At least two people, not your spouse or your family member, just trade cards with somebody else. Go ahead, turn around. You may even want to make eye contact a little bit and just smile, that's okay. Just trade cards. And you got cards in your hand right now with names that you don't know. And right where you sit, I would love it if you began to just pray over those names. Right now, just go ahead and start praying over those, over those people. Just begin to pray over those people right now. Ask God to bring them to a knowledge of Jesus. Ask God to use Our church on Easter Sunday as a part of that. Ask God for open doors and an invite. Ask God to change some lives. To change some lives of people who think they've ruined their lives and they don't have hope. Ask God by name. Look at those cards by by name. Call out the name on those cards before the Father. Pray for them. Oh Lord, we do not have the power to save anybody. But you do. And forgive us, God, when we've lived in our own little bubble so attached to our schedules that we've not just stopped to start a conversation. So, Lord, would you create divine appointments for us this week with the people we've written down. And it may be around Easter, it may be around an invite, but it also could just be, tell me your story. How's life going for you? So Lord, use those moments. We are praying that the Holy Spirit would invade those moments. And Lord, for our people, I pray that you would give them the joy of getting to be a part of someone's story of hope. Of seeing the lost found. Seeing those who thought they've messed up too much. Them learn that there is grace and forgiveness in Jesus. Lord, as we enter into this Easter season and people show up in churches, we want to be faithful to talk about Jesus and what you've done. So, Lord, would you help our church in that way? And we ask right now that people would come on Easter Sunday and stick, that they'd get involved here, that they'd find joy here, that they'd find lifelong friends here, that they'd find hope. We don't want to coast. We don't want to settle. We want to keep reaching, to keep growing. And we believe that if we are faithful, you will make us fruitful. If we are faithful to open our mouths, to care for people, to invite, to share our testimony, you will bring love you. Our faith and hope is in you because you are good. Amen.